podcast, Greater Than Yourself, Season 4. Do you have an idea for an episode or a question about sobriety, spirituality, 12 steps, or sponsorship? Email us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at podcast underscore greater underscore than underscore yourself or doctor underscore silkworth. <laughs> like purposely trying to come up with new really bad AA acronyms. The halt one that you sent me was fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those. I was just like, I'm not even trying. Um, I did see an old meme that I did the other day that was halt, and it was like halt written over like a sandwich, and it said ham, avocado, lettuce, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> funny <laughs> it's so bad yeah it's yeah i'm i may All have right. misunderstood that one so <laughs> welcome back to a podcast greater than yourself <laughs> my name is john barleycorn given to me at birth by my christian parents my name is ted my uh confirmation name though is philip i had a roommate uh... in san francisco who was telling me about like when he chose he you know was choosing a name catechism all that stuff whatever it is the catholicism stuff i don't know how that goes when he was going to be confirmed and he said that they rejected his name that he chose and i was like what name was it and he said zeus (laughs) (laughs) they wouldn't let him be named zeus cowards uh and with us today is uh, Zeus. No, Aphrodite. <laughs> I'm like, I was trying to, I was like, literally any other Greek god. What can I? Jane, Jane, welcome. Jane, What's welcome. up? Let's go, Jane. Simply Thanks for being here. Glad you're here. Yeah. Um, you're coming back. Jane, for those of you who do not know, should be welcomed into any group chat with uh, any number of Tina Turner gifts, right? I couldn't find a Beyond Thunderdome one. This is the song I'm singing. <laughs> Why are you looking I know, at me like that? I know Ted? the song you're singing. Yeah. <laughs> She's simply the best. Are you talking about the song from the show Shit's Creek that <laughs> existed only because of the show Shit's Creek? It's like that song that they wrote oh. for. Um, it's like, it's the, like Kate, the song that they the wrote song for. Kate Bush yeah, did exactly. For Damn it. Things. You beat me to the joke. <laughs> Fuck you. I, lo- I, I, love, I love it. Uh, Ted texts me when he's watching Stranger Things and he's like, how do you feel about the Kate Bush song? <laughs> I, periodically, I like to text John and I'm like, because he's so fucking fickle about some of these things where I'm like, did you hate that? I don't send, I'm like, I'm like did, did you did you hate that thing that they did? Wow, I didn't know this was going to just result in me just being buried by you here. I thought we were just goofing about stuff. <laughs> You're simply the best. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Jane's with us. <laughs> Welcome back, Jane. Uh, hi. It's good to be back. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, so Jane is joining us for a an encore appearance on the pod. This time for a full episode. Um, entitled... <laughs> 
quote, I'm like, how do I say this? It's going to be in quotes for the podcast post. Quote, take your time to work the steps. You know, that thing on page 165 of the big book. Right? Is that where it is? Double checking. <laughs> no, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, yeah, Jane, how are you? How am I? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm okay, I think. Why? No, I'm just uh, awkwardly greeting you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm uh, doing okay. Yeah. For the record, yeah. if if I had a, a fever, I I would not say I'm okay. I would be like I'm on my I'm on death's fucking door. Okay. Like, I don't I don't currently have a fever of 103. I um took Tylenol and Motrin at the same time. And brought it down to like ninety eight. So I'm um a bit clammy and sweaty right now, but I do not currently have a fever of one hundred and three. We're such different people. <laughs> I know. This is what I'm saying. I'm like, if I like my thing would be like, I don't currently have a fever of one hundred and three because I I don't have a like I'm not here talking to you to answer this question of how I'm doing. <laughs> I am in Where? bed moaning. And every time my wife or child come in the room, I go, uh-huh. <laughs> I would make it doing. a bit, I might come to the podcast episode, but I would make a big deal about how I did have a fever and that you should all be really grateful that I managed to show up. Right. That would maybe be more my thing. Yeah. I think they call that the man flu. Ooh, Sorry man. guys. <laughs> but you know, as yeah. Tina, as Tina Turner said, we don't need another hero. <laughs> trying to make this happen <laughs> i am crowbarring in so many tina turner references in this episode it's not even funny literally i mean that literally it is not funny it's actually not fun <laughs> okay like, nobody nobody's hearing the muted coughing <laughs> coughing fit you're good don't worry <laughs> yeah okay thanks it's pneumonia apparently yeah Do you really I, have I had... pneumonia right now I do. They gave me a chest X-ray and everything. I um, you know, I was like, whatever. It's a fever. It'll go away on its own. I probably just have the flu or something. And then like day eight, the fever <laughs> wouldn't go away. I was like, maybe I should see a doctor. Yeah. And the doctor was like very confused. She was like, yeah, usually I see patients before day eight, but um, let's um, let's get you a chest X-ray. She comes back five minutes later. She's like, yeah, it's pneumonia. <laughs> and then she gave me these antibiotics the size of like horse pills. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you're, if you tried ivermectin. <laughs> you're just like, I'm used to walking around every day feeling like I might actually die. So it took me a while to, to roll on in. It's like, I'm really good at this. You know. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to accept professional yeah. help. I have alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're saying, Ted? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... What is your experience with Jane specifically? What is your experience? Maybe the overall impression you got when you came to AA about taking the steps. Uh, my impression was that it was supposed to take you a year. Hmm. And at the end of the year, you were ready to start sponsoring and that you could not sponsor people with less than a year. Um, and I was actually offended at the idea that anyone would sponsor with less than a year. I thought that you couldn't mm -hmm. 
like that he would be really bad and that your sponsees would all get drunk again. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if this is a controversial take for me, but, um, that's actually a better impression than I think a lot of people get. (laughs) I agree. That was like very neat and made that actually the way you said that it made perfect sense to me. Like, <laughs> I could see how that would be the way that this worked, and that is much better than what you hear. Right. Some of the garbage. That you hear. What, what do you What do you hear? I mean, I mean, all, I think in a lot of shit. meetings you get the impression that the steps are optional, like entirely optional, and, and sponsoring is optional. Only some. When I was in treatment which I have a lot to say about this later, but uh, the, there was a dude in there. Oh God, I, whatever. There's a dude who's, who said that at least two years, right? And he said it very solemnly, like he was saving this other woman's life by, t- by letting her know not to go anywhere near someone with less than two years. Oh, wow. What just wouldn't arbitrary. <laughs> That's the image. Yeah. Yes. So, so strange. It's, you know, earlier this morning in the uh, little gathering that we have, one of the things we were talking about was the window of opportunity, and I made some stupid, (laughs) I don't know, whatever. I stretched out that uh, analogy uh, further than I ever have and said some dumb shit about whenever you hit, you come, you like your face hits the window pane of the or whatever you know so i don't know what the hell i said but of the willingness willingness window <laughs> um but you know this i i saw a thing on tv last night let me say this my wife and i are watching a tv show right let me know if you can relate with this because it hit me how fucking real this was uh there's this character and i always like get super cringe when I see like recovering people, you know, like characters represented and stuff. Yeah. Cause it's like always, uh, crowbarred in as like a subplot to like explain why this person sucks <laughs> or something. It's like, and, and they're just like struggling to like white knuckle through life, you know? And it's like, and, and they're like fighting, you know, the temptation or whatever. And they invariably, they get drunk and, you know, and so that was happening and I was like, okay, whatever. I'm just like trying to enjoy the show. But the day, so like it cut to like the next morning, right? And this is like, uh, this dude is all dazed and everything and, you know, immediately goes into the pills again and then he's drinking and stuff. And the, I was like in, I was like a wash with visceral memory like sense memory of time after time where abstinence had become so uncomfortable that I picked up a drink or or a drug and then and the 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 real visceral part of it was the the physical and like uh spiritual memory of like waking up the next day and being like oh shit why was I not getting drunk this whole time? Like for the first five days of a relapse, it's like, oh, I could just alleviate all spiritual pain instantaneously with this magical elixir. And like, I could just be drunk. I'm going to be drunk all the time now. (laughs) And it's like the first five days that really fucking works, you know? 
And like, so when I think about this, I was thinking about that last night. And then right now thinking about this, when I, when I came to AA, I had a window and like, if somebody hadn't put themselves in my path when that window existed and hadn't just given me a really direct way to get connected to something more substantial than the giant looming like spiritual relief of the next drink. Um, I would have been fucking gone, you know? Yeah. Cause it happened over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with the step thing. It's like, I feel like it's very, very important to talk about this topic, especially um, when, when I'm in a meeting where there's a reading or a topic that kind of speaks against this, you know, against what I'm assuming the three of us are going to talk about. Um, and certainly in a first step, like qualifying conversation with someone about just like, this thing is not mysterious. It's not vague there's a very specific course of action and there's some really direct you know uh, information on on how quickly it should be done you know you just reminded me of a different quote from the book now i'm trying to find it but what's the sometimes quickly sometimes slowly do is that in how it works that's the nine step promises nine step promises duh you mean the promises Mm-hmm. The thing, the thing about it is that there are so many. Um, there's, there are enough countervailing messages, I think, or that appear to be contradictory in the book that other people can latch on to. Like it says, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, mm-hmm. John. So it's totally fine for me to go slow. How confrontational. And well, and it's like I, that's just the thing that I've been thinking about since I heard the topic of this. Is it's. It is important to bring to me. It's important to bring them up in meetings um, to to be, to to emphasize the point that there's a speed with which we should work these. But it's also uncomfortable for me because I feel like it's um, like I'm shitting in everyone else's cereal or whatever. You know, like it right. just feels it feels confrontational. And I think part of the reason it does is because of some of the stuff that's in the book that I think we should talk about. Like at some point. In this episode, I'm like, okay, well, what do you think it means when it says sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly? For me, I'm like, that means you might not feel, you know, not everybody experiences the 10 step promises quickly. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Bob didn't experience neutrality with alcohol in the same way that maybe I did as quickly as I did. Mm-hmm. But he did react, according to his story, he reacted sanely and normally, right? He had, he had, um, cravings, but he reacted to them the way a normal person would by not drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people might not experience that neutrality as as quickly but it will happen it will always materialize if you work for it mm-hmm. right um or that you know even in the context of the ninth step promises literally what they're offering um that stuff doesn't going to happen overnight every time but it will happen but i think people like when i was in treatment one of the people in my group was like wow uh ted you're really slamming through those steps uh that sounds kind of reckless and scary but i guess they say sometimes quickly <laughs> so good for you and i'm like ah don't patronize me, bro. Like, don't act like I'm going to die. Like I'm the one who's killing myself by doing the steps and you're the responsible one by like, what? 
Oh, I love it. Jane's, <laughs> Jane's whole, little face is when you're telling that story. <laughs> there's a whole, I have a whole, like, how much time do we have? Because I'll just go through, I have, like, my IOP uh, <laughs> memories are very on brand for this topic. <laughs> there's so much. Yeah, let's start with Jane. That's probably a good idea. All right. Uh, start. Uh, what What do you want to hear from me? Are we doing readings, or <laughs> yeah, like you want my opinion it. on this? Or okay, way, yeah, whatever. Jump in, brother. Um, yeah, I guess my experience was I kind of came into AA planning to not really do the steps at all, and then um, same. I kept drinking, and then I was like, "That's fucked." So then I started looking for a sponsor. And then I had a couple of sponsors who wouldn't work with me until I had a certain amount of time, <laughs> which didn't make sense to me. Cause I was like, how am I? If, okay. So the steps are supposed to keep me sober, but I can't stay sober. So how, how am I supposed to get enough sobriety to do the steps right. without doing this? Like it, it made me, honestly, it made me want to just slam my head into the table, you know, just, um, but this is actually something that I hear in AA a lot, not just, doing the steps slowly, but reaching a certain amount of time before you hmm. can do the steps or people will say to me like, Oh, I want to wait until I'm in a good place mm-hmm. emotionally before I do the steps, which doesn't make sense to me. Cause I'm like, I got in a good place emotionally <laughs> by doing that. No, it's like the thing when, when, <clears throat> when you're 15 and like looking for your first summer job and they're like, what experience do you have? And you're like, uh, I would like to run the cash register at this Walmart. That is the experience I'm trying to get. I need experience right. for this. Like what <laughs> you would be the experience that I will have next time I apply next summer. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. I'm just right. like, <laughs> like, oh, oh, Jane, uh, you you want the pre-sponsorship program. <laughs> Yeah, and now that I am sponsoring people and I'm on the other side of it, when I get sponsees who um, decided to wait until they're in a good place before they're doing the steps or waited for a long time in AA before they did the steps, when they get to me, they've been sitting in meetings for a long time. They've kind of absorbed the language and the core concepts of the program. Um, And so then they think they don't need to do the work. They're like, resentments? Well, I just hand it over to God. And I'm like, Okay, maybe if you'd been doing 10 steps for like five years, I might believe that you can sometimes do that, you know, (laughs) but you can't convince me that you're spiritually enlightened without doing the work. Hmm. Um, Those people would be in a better position to get well if they'd never been to an AA meeting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's my take on that. I ended up doing the steps quickly because I was like sitting in a diner with the fellowship just like miserable because I drank again. And somebody said to me, like, you might be one of those people who needs to do the steps quickly. I was like, one of what people? That doesn't sound good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what she said really stuck with me. And um, I think what I ended up doing, I found your podcast, actually. That was how I figured out how I was supposed to be doing the steps. And um and then I went out again and I drank again on step 10. I know why I drank again on step 10. It's because I, I didn't do step 10. Oh. But, um, <laughs> you know, the other people in the fellowship, they thought it was weird that I was doing the steps quickly, but I was getting, like, obviously a lot better. Um, so they were, like, skeptical but open-minded about it. And then um, 
when I drank again, they were like, oh, okay, well, see, we told you you did the steps too quickly. The woman who had told me, the woman who had told me that I might be one of the people who needs to do the steps quickly, um, actually said to me like, well, you did the steps too quickly. I'm like, but you told me. Jeez. What she should have just said is like, oh, I guess you're fucked. You're one of those people for whom AA just doesn't work, I guess. <laughs> you should give up. Let me just dunk on you here. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, I deeply regret that I drank again on step 10 because I I feel that I missed a golden opportunity to like show my local fellowship that it works and it works fine if you do the steps quickly. But um, That's literally they, what I think doing, they James. distrust. You are doing it. Just give them a little bit more time. <laughs> All right, I appreciate that. That is one hundred percent what is happening. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I that's it seems like you you went back through them and did them and yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what's your reading that you brought? Okay, my reading. I have two. My first one is very brief. Let's do it. Uh, the family afterward, page one twenty nine. Uh, nice. very very bottom of the page. Um, It is well to let him go as far as he likes in helping other alcoholics. During those first days of convalescence, this will do more to ensure his sobriety than anything else. Mm. During the first days of convalescence. Boom. But once you hit hit two years, though, the first few (laughs) days after two years. What convalescence means, if you looked it up in a 1939 (laughs) dictionary, is it means got my job back, finally starting to feel better. Uh, figuring my life out and getting settled. And then I start convalescing, at which point I start helping people. Right. <laughs> Feeling emotionally more stable, having a good job. Right. Absolutely. At my goal weight. <laughs> at my goal weight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then my second reading, I committed heresy. Uh oh. I, um, I went to the stories in the back of the book. Giddy up. Let's go. Because there's no, this has there's never no, like, happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Were there stories in the back? What? <laughs> I went to the founder stories. This was like one of the first 100 people that got sober in AA. Um, basically, he heard about AA. They put him on a train to Akron. He stayed with Dr. Bob for like two or three weeks. Um, and then. It says, this is bottom of page 262, top of page 263. The day I was due to go back to Chicago, it was Dr. Bob's afternoon off. He had me to the office and we spent three or four hours formally going through the six-step program as it was at that time. And then it gives us six steps. It says, Dr. Bob led me through all of these steps. Um, Yeah, so it took them a few hours, basically. And then for amends, they just, they made the amends list and talked about how he's going to do them. But three or four hours right. was how long they did the steps in the in the old days. That reminds so the the steps the first of the six steps on page two sixty three is called complete deflation, mm-hmm. which I feel like yeah. is a wonderful. Uh, that's it. a good. That's a great uh, way of phrasing it. And I just I can't stop thinking about what you said. Like the idea, people think there's a step one point five. It's like I'm completely deflated. <laughs> but before I proceed any further, uh, I start the steps. First step, complete deflation. Step 1.5 is gradually build myself back up, and then I can look at the rest of the steps. Like, it makes no <laughs> sense. No. no. Right. Three or four hours. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I mean... Yeah, and then go he ahead. goes back to his hometown, and um, he starts, you know, 
trying to pick up drunks. He goes to like the local detox center and he talks to the local doctors. They're like, how much, how long have you been sober? And he tells them and they're like, um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Which, um, I read this story when I was like starting to sponsor people and it made me feel so much better about the fact that nobody trusted me to sponsor with as little time as I had. I was like, okay, they've always had this problem right. since the beginning. Yeah. 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 I remember getting to, uh, I, I was having, I don't, I think I was just like reaching out to several different places and folks who I knew who were taking meetings into places like detoxes and whatever. And, um, I, I would come up against that wall and it would just be like, I'm a person who's recovered, who's here actively seeking out, like trying to be helpful to these people. If nothing else to like take them off your hands for an hour for free, like, but I have, I only have eight months away from my, a literal fatal <laughs> alcoholism and drug addiction. Uh, and no, it's a no. Oh, it's a no. <laughs> it's just like, right. what the fuck, dude? It's so weird. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I think that the, the cool part about that is that I'm, I'm all, I'm constantly reminded when I look at the book that like these people were not accomplishing some like, you know, the longest period of sobriety when the book was written was what like three and a half four years or something when it was actually written i mean there are people who who will condescend to you about well until you're through your la you know or well yeah that first decade is all about blah blah or what <laughs> you know what i mean and it's just like what fucking what the what fucking planet are you <laughs> living on, dude? You know, like, um, and again, I think we we talk often, like, uh, you know, those people don't really give a shit about the the actual program anyway, or read the book or whatever, or do the stuff in it. But it's such a stark contrast when you read the book and you see how these these people were like, uh, yeah, well, Bill Dotson put some clothes on, hopped out of the hospital bed, and. Uh, Went and started helping people. You know, it's just like they're, they're just doing it immediately. The the first reading that you had in the first few days of convalescence, like usually, if I am to a point where I am reading that with someone, they are three quarters of the way out of the door. They're just like, yeah, I'm pretty much done doing steps. You know, they've like farted around with four maybe done a fifth step they're not getting into amends they're not getting it you know the stuff you were talking about earlier 10 step stuff um they're just like at that point if i'm having to remind them that this thing is like a thing where it's like well you should really already be focused on helping other people you know by this point in your sobriety my experience in sponsorship is they're usually on their way out already Evolving Hills of Malibu. We have an incredible staff. This is Teresa Stein. She's one of our licensed therapists. I'm happy to help. 
She's been divorced four times and doesn't really get AA, but let her talk to you about relationships and your recovery. Well, that's less than flattering. Meet Barry. We call him a chef, but he has no formal training whatsoever. How's it going? See him about a delicious rib sandwich or an SSRI. Don't believe none of them girls who are in here for anorexia what they tell you about my cooking. They spread a bunch of rumors make it easier for each other not to eat the food. Revolving Hills Malibu It's a nine, it's an eight and a half step program for a lot of people where it's like, ah, I made a few amends. There are a few that are big and scary. I'm not going to do those. Mm. I did one 10 step. I've done two 11 steps. I've, uh, that's it. I'm like, that's basically 12 steps. I'm cool. I'll see you later. Yeah, I tried to do it that way. It didn't work for me. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not, I wouldn't recommend it. Ted, what do you got besides an oral fixation that cannot be satiated? <laughs> All right. Mine is on um, page 95. Ooh. So, this is in working with others. Uh, they're talking, this chapter is wonderful for giving a lot of practical advice about how to talk to newcomers. Um, where is it now? Okay. I'm going to read it. I'm only interested in one of these sentences, but I'm going to read more than that. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out. You're welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he is likely to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Okay, so I just wanted to, I picked that reading because this is another one of those sections of the book where people can, I think, grab a quote mm-hmm. and turn it into, whoa, 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 whoa. Un- right. unload your big book, quit pointing that thing at me. Like, um, and so, I mean, two things can be true, right? Like at the same time, it can be simultaneously true. Like I, I have 100% rushed people through the steps, mm-hmm. um, who, who didn't have an interest in doing them. And so it is, and that was not good for either of us. Um, so you got to find a way to sort of make the, how do, how do I say it? Like integrate these two things. And I think the reality is that you, what I try to do is emphasize that this is something that can be done as quickly as you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you call me on day two and you want to do them in one day, ah, let's do it. Like that would be incredible. I'd love to do it. I'm there. Yep. But if, and, and, you know, say we're on your fourth step and I'm like, all right, we're going to get back together in one week and we're going to do this fifth time. Um, and then I don't hear from you for, or I hear from you the next day. I'll do it that next day. I'll do it in one week, but I'm not reality. Most often I'm not going to hear from you maybe ever again. So I'll, I'll check one more time or whatever. I'll check two times. See how you're doing at a certain point. I'm just going to, I am not going to rush you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still true that, you know, this, it is sort of, a race. It is sort of important that we do this thing as quickly as we can because, yeah. you know, emphasizing what the 10th step promises say and what this program offers is that it is important that we get to a spot where you're comfortable and sober at the same time. And unless and until we do this thing, you're not going to be. And so, yeah, I mean, if you, I guess, rushing would look like um, doing the steps, 
just to check off the box without the the intention behind it of like the the intention that was described to me with the third step, which is an intention to commit to do the rest of the steps honestly and open-mindedly. And if that's not really what you're doing, you're just trying to yeah. check off the boxes of the steps, then yeah, maybe you shouldn't rush through them. But two things can be true at the same time is my point. Yeah. I think the greater context of the of the paragraph is that um, it, what you were just saying is that it's not so much about doing this slowly. It's so much. Uh, it's more about not making someone do it. Yeah. So it's like uh, this guy wants to proceed at once. Okay. Cool. So big thing here. Even if what they're saying is. Uh, yeah, it, it could be a mistake to let this person, you know, blast into all of this work immediately. That could be a mistake. What they're saying is that could be a mistake sometimes, right? So, but like what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull this one line out of the book and go, it's a mistake to, to do the steps immediately. That's a mistake. Okay, I don't know. The book doesn't seem to be saying that. At the end of that paragraph, it says, simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they work for you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. I think, like, what we're doing in this paragraph is, like, furthering the description of just how to not be a fucking psycho, right? With people who you're meeting, like... How to not be like the, all right, uh, you got four days to do your fist, your four step. I'm a busy guy. We're meeting on, you know what I mean? It's like, here's how you do it. You, we're doing it then. I don't have time for you if you don't, you know what I mean? Like taking this one pat approach with every single person. And I think that there's, there's a general guide, um, and that's presented in this chapter. But in this chapter, it never tells us like, Okay, you need this guy to do the third step on his knees in public. Right. Uh, it needs to be humbling in front of other people. Uh, he needs to do a fourth step no more than 10 days. You know, it's just like, it doesn't do that. It just tells you like how to be a, like, it's like, hey, don't be a squirrely weirdo. Like, just fucking show this guy what you did. You know what I mean? If he wants it, right? And be there, as like it says, Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him you're willing to help in any way. And that's, like, really it. And, like, if the guy doesn't want to proceed at once, like, hey, weirdo, stop being weird. Let him not do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's more about that. But I also think that, like, overlooking the sometimes, which that starts with, is one of those big things that is real easy to do when all you're doing is cherry picking the line to like disprove the book that contains the line anyway. It's like, yeah. Huh? You know? Yeah. I have two things to say about this reading. Um, first of all, by the time you're at this point, you've already done step one together. Like mm -hmm. two pages ago, if you were satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, mm -hmm. right? Um, so you're past that point in, in a way you've kind of already started the steps with this person. Yeah. Um, also, they're talking about the interval of a few days. Because after this, it says, um, if he's interested, give him the book, tell him to think it over. And then, you know, you're just like, you're coming back to him like a few days later. It's not, you're waiting a year before you start the steps. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. 
Um, I I kind of struggle picking one reading for this. I love that Ted got saucy with it, got a little freestyle, and and brought like a. Oh, well, this one doesn't say to rush. <laughs> I see you. I see what you're doing. I'm out here representing all the uh, hate listeners. <laughs> <clears throat> they need a voice, and that voice is sitting U.S. Senator Ted yes. C. <laughs> Check out my tweets. <laughs> the, I've been really my good lately. newly verified Twitter. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I briefly considered, you know, I mean, there's several points, right? Page 75 and 76, where it, like, literally says, step six and seven should take one hour. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, if we're going to extrapolate, you know, if we're going to blow up the six-step process into 12, six and seven, <laughs> that's one hour. <laughs> you know, it's like, it just tells you explicitly. Um and then there's the one I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, as soon as we finish saying a third step, the book says, next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. The first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our third step decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless followed at once. By strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. That's pretty unambiguous. <laughs> you know? That's pretty... Uh, let's... let's uh, what is it? Uh, entirely postpone or neatly evade that one, right? Um, so, the goat, the end-all be-all to me, not as great as the three, three or four hours, but page 118... Um, those one nineteen, one eighteen, one eighteen. Um, the big book nerds following along know exactly where this is headed, or they knew well in advance where I was going. We do not like the thought that the contents of a book or the work of another alcoholic has accomplished in a few weeks that for which we struggled for years. In the chapter to wives, <clears throat> coming from the. <laughs> perspective of the fictional wife writing to wives um, the consensus of all the uh, first 100 uh, fictional wives I should say <clears throat> um, I want to get, give credit to all 100 of the fictional wives tell the, their stories yeah um, so the steps should take a few weeks I mean, is there anyone here who has not been through the steps in under a few weeks? I mean, you got, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody here who's who's found in sponsorship a reason why someone needs to take more than a few weeks to do the steps? That's so, okay. I've been dying for this. What I want to do is... I would like to order, you know, I daydream about this sometimes. Like, I want to have a debate. I want to get in the room with somebody who says you should take the time with the steps. And I just want to ask them. I want to get, put page 58 with all the steps on it and be like, all right, show me which one of these you think you should go slow on. Which one of these is the one that you should really slow down on? Like, let's look at each one of these. Which one do you think 
requires significant amount of time. Right. And I've thought a lot about it. And I think what they would say, maybe I guess is the amends. Like, you know, that's the only one to me where I'm like, okay, maybe you don't like, there are some people on my amends who I did later, but I had nows, laters and nevers. Mm -hmm. So I get that there are some people you might not be in a position like if you have kids, maybe you don't want to make amends to your kids when you're a week sober. I get that. Um, maybe you do. I don't know. It's none of my business. I'm not, I don't have any kids. Um, but yeah, you want them to sit at step one for a year. You want them to really like, how does that make any sense? You want them to sit at step two, like, uh, come on, explain it to me. Somebody, I, I honestly, I don't even have an idea of what they would tell me. Like I have no gauge. If either of you know, please enlighten me. Cause I got nothing. So I did some research on this because I wanted to hear like honest arguments in favor of doing the steps slowly. <laughs> um, and um, one of the things that I heard was that you should spend a lot of time on step two, because if you don't, then you're getting your sponsor's idea of a higher power, not your own. <laughs> I call horseshit on that. That's bullshit. <laughs> I'll double down on the horseshit bullshit call. <laughs> I think yeah. I think if your sponsor is not doing the type of sponsorship yeah. described in chapter seven, that's probably true. <laughs> You're probably getting your sponsor's idea yeah. of higher power. That assumes that your sponsor's like, all right, so here's what God is. Do you accept? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> Which if that's your it's definition like, of step two, then yeah, you should you shouldn't do that at all. <laughs> your 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 sponsor is like uh, one of those idiots on Shark Tank. My proposal for you: <laughs> like, take it or leave it. <laughs> I get twenty five percent of your sobriety. <laughs> it's just like what the fuck. It's a mid level marketing thing, but for Jesus. And if you don't accept <laughs> Jesus, then I don't get any. You know, uh, Cole's cash. And then Cole's I, I can't. I can't level up. <laughs> Oh, Cole's cash is so MLM. That that makes my skin crawl. <laughs> I assume Cole's cash is a real Jay? thing. Or is that the one? I don't know. What oh, it is. is. It's a real okay. thing. Okay. For sure. Was it just step two that you saw? Um, yeah, there seems to be a general impression also that if you don't spend a lot of time on step four, then you're not being honest and thorough. But, um, and, you know, that was sort of a general argument for doing the steps slowly is that you want to be honest and thorough. Right. Which I agree with that. But in my experience, the people who, you know, honest and thorough is an attitude that you take towards step work. And the people who mm. are dragging their feet are usually the ones who are not being honest and thorough. I once had a guy mm. spend a month on his fourth step. And when he came back to me, it had like three items on the resentment. Inventory. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I was going real deep with those three. <laughs> can, can we just debunk this one too? So, like, the, we all, I think we know of a quote from that. There's, you know, in in into action. Uh, I think it's on seventy two, seventy three. Yeah, it's on page seventy three. It says, uh, "People who get drunk again." It says, "We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory, all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense that we find it necessary until they told someone else all italicized their life story." Mm. So I think that's like that's the part, right? That's the section of the book where people are like, "Well, you have to be really fear. You have to go right. Tell me what happened in second grade." But to me, when I read that, they're emphasizing that these people who 
who relapsed or whatever or just started drinking again, they held on to their worst items. Yeah. That's what I read. They so lied. for me, it's like they lied. Yeah. Yes. They lied and or they there's like what I tell people is like, I don't give a sh- if if you can't if it doesn't spring to your mind within like one hour tops of like of actual like if it's not something that you can remember easily if it's not actively eating your lunch then we don't need to talk about it what i want to know is like the stuff that when you're brushing your teeth or like you're showering and you go you literally go ooh, you remember it and you go oh no if it's if it's fucking with your day on a semi-regular basis that should be i don't care that's that is something let's look at that but if it's like uh Robert, who taught, called me a fathead in second grade, like, uh, no, this is not, we don't need to get at that. That's just not what they're, I don't think that's what they're talking about. Right. Don't, don't sit on your fourth step. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And there were definitely things that I did leave off of my fourth step, not on purpose. I just, you know, I think I wrote mine in about three days. Um, and it took, it was like two hours a day of writing and it was because I, I, spent two hours like doing a first draft and then I looked at it and I was like, I did my fourth column all wrong. I need to Mm. rethink it. So then the second day I was redoing my fourth column. And then the third day I was like making the edits that my sponsor had suggested. Um, so, but yeah, I left some items off, but then, you know, I just, I just went back and got them in step 10. Like, yes, sure. Or in the hour where you're doing six and seven, where you're like, Oh, uh, I finished my fourth step. I put it off once, I believe, if my recollection serves. I finished my fourth step about five minutes before I got in the car to drive to my sponsor's house to do my fifth step. Because I was like, oh, fuck. I got to get this thing done. And that worked fine. Shit, I'm a grown-up who told another grown-up I'd do something. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I'm supposed to be there in 15 minutes. I don't have a fourth call. <laughs> or what, whatever it was. I don't remember specifically. But it's like, you can do it. Uh, on the back of a napkin outside of your sponsor's house before you walk in there, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The, as evidenced by, <laughs> let me, let me, let me get back there. Where, where were we? Am I, uh, what story was that that you read from? Vicious Cycle? He sold himself short. Yep. No, yeah. He sold himself short. See, now I'm in, in the wrong, I'm in the damn, third edition i put my oh there it is yeah no it's not what is the paragraph the top of that page um the day before i was due to go back to chicago yeah it was dr bob's afternoon off yeah just just read it for me please oh (laughs) the day before i was due to go back to chicago it was dr bob's afternoon off he had me to do to the office and we spent three or four hours formally going through the six-step program as it was at that time. Okay. So, in three or four hours, they thoroughly went through. <laughs> thorough. That was thorough, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like at any point of the process that's summarized on page 59 in the 12 steps, if, if at any point someone is like, that's it right there sitting u.s senator ted c that's the place where you pause that's the place where you need to spend some time i feel like at any point you can go to this book from which the 12 steps originates right let's be clear the 12 steps are not some other thing that you can just make your mind up about they're found in this book they're from this book 
It's this book, right? Hold on. I can't remember. What's the book called again? Incidentally. Uh, this, this Naked Mind <laughs> is the one we're reading. <laughs> Sitting Senator Ted Cruz. Incidentally. <laughs> Thank you. It is Ted C, please. Incidentally, it is Alcoholics Anonymous. So. Oh, like the meetings. Yes. Similar. Oh. Yeah. It's so weird that they're both called that. The book is named after the meetings. That's why. That makes so much sense. Someone's it gonna all makes email, sense. Someone's going to email about that. Even though I'm saying this right now in the podcast, <laughs> someone is going to email and clarify. Actually, the book was before the... They've listened to every episode, right? But they're still just going to hear that, and they're going you to need, email me. You need to label it parody, or else it's going to get canceled. <laughs> for the record, for people listening at home, this, we're recording this in the middle of Twitter's meltdown. Stop. And so <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So... Uh, speaking of neatly evading or entirely postponing, nobody re replied to my, my, uh, my serious commentary drop in the, uh, group chat last night on the Twitter debacle. Anyway, what I, I took it outside the realm of jokes and said something serious and nobody gave a shit anyway. So with the I'll step four it. thing, <laughs> this is so fucking off the rails with the step four thing, right? So somebody wants to say. That's where you need to spend a long time. You're not, or what Jane said. That's what they told me in an IOP. Yeah, what Jane said, which is like, you know, you like, you know, when you're a kid and you just like hog out at a birthday party and you got like pukey burps for two days. That's how I fucking feel. <laughs> That's how I feel when Jane tells me about somebody who's like, uh, you really, you like when someone says like, you didn't do a good job at the four step if you did it quickly or if you like didn't take yeah. a long time. Like I feel so unwell when I hear that someone has said that to another person. Um, so in the book that contains a hundred percent of the directions for the four step, here's how it describes it on page 64. It says we started upon a personal inventory. This is step four. So this is step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Okay. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. So, I can tell you as somebody who's like done food inventory orders in <laughs> a lot of kitchens, I, I it would take me maybe an hour to inventory every single fucking utensil, cup, ingredient, beverage, everything in a, a kitchen I was running in downtown San Francisco. An hour, maybe two hours to do like a monthly inventory. Weekly food order, 30, 30 minutes to an hour. And what this says is, interestingly, is that one object of that process that would take me like an hour is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods and to get rid of them promptly and without regret. And that's the thing I'm going to do. I'm only doing one part of this thing in this analogy. All I'm trying to see is let's take stock of the bad stuff, the shit that's blocking me 
right? That's all I'm doing. That's it. So my rebuttal to any anyone contending that this needs to take long or it's not done right, ugh, cringe, fuck. My rebuttal to that is you're not talking about the fourth step of Alcoholics Anonymous. You're talking about some other thing. Talking about therapy. Yes. Which, yeah, that's cool. Great. Go, Question. go to a therapist. Are you a therapist? And am I yeah. in your office in a therapy capacity? No? Th Fuck off. <laughs> this is my thought. Like, I reject the premise of, I think the premise of you need to take your time with the fourth step is like, it's a lot of stuff to get at really quickly. You want to make sure that you're ready to really wait into it is what I've heard sometimes. And mm -hmm. I think that can be true for some people, but I don't think, I don't think it's universally true. Mm -hmm. And my, my, my thought is like, so you're suggesting your armchair therapist and me that it would be more optimal for me to languish in and slowly over a long period of time, reflect on all of the things for which I feel badly. You think that that is better <laughs> right. than I sit with it for longer than that I that that I just acknowledge it and try to move on like, and and maybe that is true. I'm not. A, I'm again. I'm not a mental health professional. Maybe that is like part of what works for certain people. But unless you are also a mental health professional and you're telling me that with some sort of reason or evidence, don't fucking say that to people. Don't say that to people you just met. Right. I I, I feel. If you are saying that, it should be in a professional capacity where they're paying you to be their therapist because it's just not AA. AA is a yeah. different thing. It's just a separate thing. And there, I think there are other fellowships where it is incumbent on you to spend more time with those things and that that is part of their process. And that is like, hell yeah. If yeah. that's where you're at, that's what you do. But that's not what... Uh, that's not what we're supposed to be doing here within <laughs> right. the confines of this fellowship right. uh, with this book, which is called quit like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, last thing I want to say about that, because nine was mentioned too. That one's real easy on page 84. It says, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So we should do it. So, yeah, we should do a whole episode. Don't wait till all your amends are done. Keep moving. If you're here's here's my thing. If you're going to go, OK. Okay, book called Alcoholics Anonymous, which contains the 12 steps, which suggests I make direct amends to people I've harmed. I'll do that. Oh, wait, you're saying to move into a daily way of living with four pages of concise directions for daily life as I'm starting my amends? Mm, that seems rash. You're just like, what the right. f what are you talking about? Right. I would like to live with the guilt of the people who I've wronged and have been heretofore unable to make amends to uh, indefinitely uh, with, before with I no, start living. Yeah, with no formal structure for being yeah. rid of resentment and fear. <laughs> like, and, and I'd like to approach these people. Yeah, I want to go to my, my teacher from middle school and uh, try to make an amends after having spent the last nine months racked with anger and fear but I've left unaddressed. <laughs> That's the prime time. Focused for me to entirely get in there. on myself and the people I've hurt and not helping anyone. 
I'm going to fix this relationship with this person I've harmed uh, myself. <laughs> and then I can get with God on a daily basis. Yes. It's, wow. it's, it's can we do the play the tape all the way through? Like, can we, can we, uh, <laughs> like, I want to pick each quote from the big book. Like there's so many, like so many slogans we should just debunk while we're here. Uh, I will be unable with sufficient force to remember the, with, you know, the, the humiliation <laughs> from a week ago. It says that in the big book too, motherfuckers. Quit saying, play the tape all the way through. Is, can we do any else while we're, uh, while we're here? Do you know what? Doing this stuff slowly, as far as I could tell, doing my opposition research, um, <laughs> It comes down to the emphasis on time again. There's like a skepticism in the fellowship that you can really have any real recovery without a lot of sober time. Bingo. Yep. Absolutely. Which again, I guess we shouldn't be fucking with this book that was written by people who heart, you know, some of them, some of the people who signed off on this book didn't even have a year. Right. So one of the some of the people yeah exactly what is your goal what is our goal here is the goal long-term abstinence or is the goal recovery if your goal is just to avoid a particular category of beverages for the rest of your life then yeah take as much time as you want in service of that goal Mm -hmm. if your goal is to be happy, joyous, and free to have a change in perspective to live a life that is simultaneously sober and comfortable then don't take your fucking time. Well, like if you aspire to something more than just crawling through each day without certain liquids, then yeah, by all means, mm-hmm. um, sit on that fourth step, brother. It's cool. <laughs> sit and spin. Um, <laughs> I have one last step, which was mentioned earlier that I would like to discuss briefly. And that's step one. Which one is that? It's the first one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Step one okay. is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Stupid. That <laughs> did you just call me stupid? Mm-mm. Oh my god! <laughs> so, um, I I have evolved on step one conversations with. Uh, with new people by which I mean um, I don't approach it with any less urgency or reverence for the importance of what's happening there and the weight of it Um, but some of that has shifted away from my previous stance which was all right uh you know, picked up a new guy, Jason, <laughs> at the detox. We're going to meet tomorrow night at Panera Bread when he gets out, and I'm going to get him to step four, you know, like first meeting, you know, so, okay, he gets it. He gets all the stuff at step one. Cool. You cool with God? Okay, yeah, let's move forward, you know? Yeah. That was really my focus with a lot of first encounters with people. Um, mm-hmm. And just by virtue of doing this a lot and going back to the book for direction a lot um, and working with people, what's become the focus of all of that importance and reverence um, 
has been the quality of experience that person is having, by which I don't mean good or bad. I mean, powerful or not powerful. Um, what type of experience are they having with the information that we're sharing in step one? And you're saying that if you perceive that they are not having an experience with it, then you're not convinced that they understand. So I think like Jane, for some reason that is so hard to say that your fake name, it's like perfectly pleasant super super like it's not exotic i'm not you know what i mean i'm not like what was it uh yeah i just keep struggling um anyway so like jane was saying just before the reading that you chose ted they're they're like all of that is under the auspices that were convinced that they're the real alcoholic right yeah there have been plenty of times where i've sat down and i've before I meet with someone in step one and talk, start talking about step one with them, before I even talk with them one-on-one, -on -one, I have heard them talk in a meeting and I'm like, that person is the real deal. That mm -hmm. is a real alcoholic. Um, and before I get more emails or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not pronouncing them alcoholic. I'm not saying you're fucking, you're going to die. You know, I'm saying right. in my head, that person is describing the phenomenon of craving and the mental blank spot that takes them back to experiencing that. And so I will be convinced, but I think that hand in hand with, you know, don't proceed unless you're convinced and they want to stop hand in hand with that is the reading that you chose, Ted, which is like, I think the key there is that I'm not, I'm not doing this person a favor by pushing them into something just because they kind of intellectually get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if they're not resonating, then the depth and weight that Silkworth talks about may not really be there. The only caveat being, I know personally that like, despite having lived like a picture perfect step one for years, I don't think I could really like, had I not been listening to like re actual recovered big book people on speaker tapes before I came back to AA and like heard that language from the book. So if like no one had told me that stuff, I, I don't think I would have resonated and understood really what was going on in my step one meeting with my sponsor. It would have taken me a bit for me to look in hindsight and be like, Oh yeah. shit. And I think we've talked about that before where it's like the longer I am recovered, the more convinced I am of how abnormal my alcoholic thinking was and my alcoholic reaction to alcohol was. For sure. So I just think like someone having an experience with that information is something that I am open to taking a bit, you know? And, and again, I'm like you said, I'm not talking about like <laughs> fucking six weeks or something. I'm just talking sure. about me not pushing to move through that quickly, you know? Well, Jane, do you have, I have, I have a thought about this. So the, the next thing for me though is, okay, what happens when you're talking, you're working with somebody, you're describing this stuff and you're not really feeling like sensing that they actually really 
or have internalized it. Like they're intellectualizing it, but maybe they haven't lived it. Mm. And then you're like, in your in my head, I've had this happen recently in my head where I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm not 100% sure that this is like, you're ready to do this yet, right? But then they're like, all right, let's get back together next week. Like they're trying to like schedule, like they're trying to schedule me. Mm. And I'm like, what I get to then is like, well, I'll meet with this dude again. Um, like if he, you know, if this person wants to, I'll show up, even though I feel like, you know, I'm going to keep pushing this. I'm going to keep working in this step one stuff to see if I can get to a spot mm-hmm. where it seems like it's really clicking. But it, even if I'm not convinced that it's not, who am I? What I get to personally, this is just Ted, is like, who am I to say that we can't like look at, you know, starting your fourth fourth step if if that's what you want to do, mm-hmm. even if I'm not like completely convinced? Because who am I to say you do or don't? Um, haven't internalized this at like a in a uh, palpable real way. Like I don't know that for sure. So sure, does that make sense? Yeah, that's when it gets tricky for me. Yeah, I don't think I've ever taken someone through step one and felt that they've really, really got it on like a gut level. Like I'll explain to them what alcoholism is, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's totally that's what I do." Yeah, like last time I drank, I told myself I was just going to have two, and then I like woke up on my front lawn four days later, like clearly something is wrong here. But, um, you know, as for me, I thought I had step one, like the first time I went through it, I was like, okay, yeah, can't, um, can't stop it. Just one or two can't stay stopped. That makes sense. Yeah. Self-knowledge won't keep me sober. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I didn't really get step one until I was on step 10 and I drank again, like, the morning after when I woke up after that, I was just like in tears. Cause then I got it and I cried for days about it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, shit, I'm going to die. I'm going to die like this. And there's nothing I can do, but like, you can't really, I don't know. You, you can't really give that experience to somebody else. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like either they have it or they don't. Well, I- so, I think it goes back to like the longer you, the, the longer I am sober, the more obvious it becomes. And so, like, there is a degree to which time becomes a factor too. Like, right. the longer you have, the longer distance, the more distance you have from this thing, the more clear it probably will be. Like, the more times I will remember blacking out at inopportune times, or the more times I will remember last night I was at a family thing and, um, with the, the, my family friends and, uh, the dad and his son were like, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going out to the bar after this to meet up with some old friends. And I was like, it's like, it's like 12 o'clock right now. Like if you, you, you haven't been drinking at all, if you start drinking now, you're, you're going to end up in jail. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't do that. You know? And then thinking about like, if I went, if I went with them and I were drinking, what a, like, that would be a marathon. You can't just do that, you know? And it just, you know, again, just the physical allergy, mental blank spot thing where it's so clear to me that that is not something that makes sense for me. Uh, right. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't have seen that right away. Right. Yeah. So I think that that exactly what you guys are talking about is why, um, the importance with step one for me in this, in light of this topic is that, I can't, I can't be expecting this to go at a certain clip, a step one thing, you know? Um, I personally believe 
that the book is pretty clear. Uh, if we finish a fifth step and I give you directions for six and seven, we read it, we go over it, you understand it, and then I don't hear from you for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I personally believe you are not following the directions of the steps, right? Like, I feel like that's pretty fucking obvious, right? I feel like if we cover the fourth step and like yeah. three weeks later, you're like, Hey man, haven't really had time. Okay. You're, I don't think that you're doing the directions of the fourth step. I think that that's pretty clear. Step one, you know, there's, there's not, there's not a, a page in the book that says like, here's how you do step one. You do this right. and then you do that. There's these pages that we all, I think commonly for the most part use, but this is kind of the only place where I'm like, I think we really need to, I think it's the main place where we really need to be open to like, let's remember this is a unique experience for an individual to have. Right. And so this is, let's, let's, let's keep that in mind and remember that like the book tells us to approach the person who's in front of us as if they are just this autonomous person. And this is just an approach just for them. And like having this like kind of conveyor belt factory mentality yeah. where I'm just going to like expect everyone to get it at the same rate and to have an experience the same way and to do this and do that, I think is particularly harmful for step one because of the reading that Ted chose, because if I'm like, well, yeah, this, this person's an alcoholic, but they're kind of just like flippantly like, oh yeah, yeah, no nah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Powerless. Yeah. And I got like smacking their gum and they're like, uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. So I got, you know, I need to get, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, the book is clear. I'm not doing this person a favor or the people I could be meeting with a favor by like pushing them into the, the work of the steps, you know? even though you're convinced personally, subjectively that they are alcoholics. Right. So it's like, it doesn't actually add up because in my head, I'm like, well, this, okay, this dude is so clearly an alcoholic. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, he needs this, right? He fucking needs this right now. And I'm going to give it to him. Right. That's, that's how I ended up dragging those people through right. the steps before where I'm like, I've decided what they are and what they need. And I will get them there whether they want to go or not. And right. so like, that's really hard. That's like, that's a hard thing to, to do to be like, yeah, Phil's big fucked. Um, everyone else sees it. Uh, homie don't want to look at this at all. And so I'm just going to, you know, just going to wave goodbye, you know, and, and I'll be here when Phil comes back. <laughs> Phil. Phil. Rip Phil. You will be missed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Cool. Okie dokie. That's how I introduce 12 questions now. I go, okie dokie. <laughs> Drive time. Oh, you're trying to do. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. Uh, Ted and Johnny in the morning. <laughs> hubba hubba. Wow, wow, wow. Like just, I don't know any other sound effects on the top. There's that one. That was you're an encyclopedia. Yeah, I am. Uh, For fart noises, I mean. 
There was nary a fart noise in the bunch. What are you talking about? Oh, I thought those were all farts. <laughs> Jane looks intensely bored. <laughs> it's just the side effects of the medication. <laughs> just one time when we have someone on here and I say I'm going to go get a beverage, just one time I want to come back with like a giant bottle of wine and just see what happens. <laughs> Just see if anyone even notices. <laughs> I feel like sometimes as a recovered alcoholic, sometimes I'm, I have like a very Mormon reaction to alcohol, which is like this phenomenon I noticed living in Salt Lake City where like you'd be at friends' houses and like drinking secretly in the basement and then like their parents would come down to like ask them something and we would forget that there were like beers out and stuff. But then their parents would like not even notice the beers because mm. they're like they yeah. have they're like they're so Mormon that they don't even notice alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then other times I'm the guy who's like eating cheeseburgers at the bar and watching my my wife and my sister like slowly consume like a, an ever warming pint of beer, <laughs> just being like, "This is criminal. <laughs> what are you doing?" Deranged. Yeah. <laughs> All right, 12 questions with our friend Jane. Okay, Jane, um, this question assumes that you used to smoke pot. Uh, bowl, blunt, or bong? Oh, I always smoked a bowl. Do you yeah. care to tell us why? Huh? Why? I think because it was easier to hide in like our giant pants. You know, if we were like sneaking it in somewhere. Okay. Tell me more about the giant pants. <laughs> well, you know, this was like uh, early 2000s, late 90s. Ooh. So everybody's wearing giant pants back then. Love it. And stoners, especially, it was like a thing. Yes. So we're talking like Jinkos? Oh my uh, God, I miss Jinkos. Really? <laughs> I heard. Th- when I heard that Gen Z was bringing back wide leg jeans, I thought they meant like Jinkos, and I was so excited. I was like, "Bring back Jinkos! I will wear them." See, that's no. I love this. Not for me. <laughs> not for nope. not for you. Yeah, Jinkos look a little a little odd on somebody who's six foot nine, one hundred and forty pounds. <laughs> that's that's right. That's I hate the wide pants because I look like even younger than I am. Like I get swallowed up in them. <laughs> you, look, you look like Slender Man going to yeah, a fucking like Limp Bizkit show. Hello, yes. kids. <laughs> I look like I'm selling methamphetamine. Yeah. Uh, so for <laughs> me, the bowl was using just, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's entirely a function of portion control because I can. Because for my, my experience, you can't really you can't really put out a blunt and like pick it back up. It's gross, so harsh. The bong is very challenging for me not to rip that whole. You're gonna rip the whole thing pretty much or nearly. But a bowl, I feel like I could put it out or whatever. I could hand it off to somebody, and I did because I'm like, I will get so high so fast, yeah. so much faster than you will. That like you're trying to be nice to me by like making this sort of even, and no, it will it will put us into very different places, and you won't have fun, and I won't have fun. So I just have to have a tiny little bit of weed, which is why I always smoked a bowl. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I'd forgotten that about bongs. Like you couldn't like you couldn't really feel the smoke. So it was so easy to smoke a ton and then be like, I can't move. <laughs> straight straight to my heart too, where it's like yeah. I'm now underwater. Oh god. Yeah. For me, bongs are it's like I always 
think about I don't like either any of these answers. I get the alliteration. You're a joint. And I appreciate that. I'm a joint dude. Blunts. I, I like joints too. For me, it's like maybe if you're if you're rolling horrible weed, ruin it by wrapping it with tobacco. Okay, that's fine. But like sure. good weed, I'm just gonna wrap it in like a fifty cent cigar wrap? What? What a huh? And then bongs. A bong is like a it's like a broken time machine where I'm like I don't <laughs> know if this going? is gonna Yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know if every minute's gonna feel like a day or if yeah. the whole day is gonna go by in an hour. I don't know if Talk I'm gonna get Russian nothing roulette. done or if I'm yeah. going to scrub the whole house. I don't know what is gonna happen. Like and then Pipes, I think I think a bowl would have to be my choice because, and this is yeah. strictly, this is for like girly reasons. It's like an accessory. You can have a bunch of them, little cute ones, different it's ones. It's fun to yeah. collect, yeah. You can be like, check out, I had this one that was, it was glass blown. And it was like, instead of just being like a straight off the bowl, it was like broken into two and they were like twisted around each other. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. cool. Yeah. And then you boil them and when you're dry and get all the resin out. Get all headachey high. Very gross. Oh, Blunts just remind uh, me of yeah. like five or six 17 to 19 year old boys standing, sitting around in a circle. All white. Blaring, yeah, blaring rap music and like talking about how cool it would be if there were bitches here. <laughs> <laughs> they, they never come. And the bitches we just, never arrive. <laughs> we, and we do that. And then we play uh, beer pong alone. And then we, you know, go to sleep. The truth was, in hindsight, that uh, the bitches were the friends you shared the blunt with along the way. <laughs> I was the bitch, for <laughs> sure. Okay, question two. If your life before recovery were a movie, what would it be called? Oh, God. <laughs> Jane's Addiction. <laughs> I like Oh God, Colin Jane's Addiction. <laughs> Can we just go with that? <laughs> sure. We, we workshopped I, it. <laughs> I have a good answer, but I don't think I could explain the joke without using my real name. So... Mm. I can tell you, but um, you might have answer. to bleep it out. What's this? All right. Diane Feinstein. The just give true, us the answer, like, and it'll be story. like it'll be an Easter egg. <laughs> bit by bit. Okay. <laughs> oh. I feel like there's a there's a bunch of pieces to that one. Yeah. All right. How many energy drinks for you is too many energy drinks? I actually don't know if there's any such thing. Oh, this is a first. <laughs> this is an APGTY, whatever our Wait, so acronym is. You're telling me first. that you, you are comfortable drinking a great many energy drinks with consequence yeah. free. Yeah. Consequence free? Yeah, I'm a caffeine fiend. Mm -hmm. You're a certified hashtag caffeined? Yeah. This is this is the this you spent too much time in the fellowship, obviously. If you <laughs> that kind of a an immunity to this. Wow. What yeah, I drink. Yeah, I drink caffeine like all the way up till five p.m. And you don't. And then vape? I just take it. No, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> What's the preferred delivery mechanism? 
what's, what's my preferred what? Delivery mechanism for the caffeine. For caffeine, I usually just drink coffee, but like I'll, I'll brew a giant pot and then when it gets cold, I put it in the refrigerator and then I have iced coffee. Yeah. I just like keep drinking it. Okay. Wow. You're un- unpeeling layers of this onion. My, uh, actually, my great. I will drink caffeine at eight o'clock at night or whatever. I'm a wild man. Uh, yeah, as but it's does. like 35 milligrams in a diet soda or something. Oh, well. <laughs> Apparently, my uh, my great grandfather drank 14 cups of coffee per day, and um, my my dad says that he asked him about him once. He no. no. He asked him about it once, and he was like, well, I mean, after your 10th cup of coffee, you're just putting yourself to sleep. <laughs> Which is kind of true. death? Because your system... <laughs> because of the death. Over I don't death. know. It's just like, if you drink too much coffee, you get to a point where it's actually making you sleepier. It's weird. I don't know how to describe it. Did he have to use a Ouija know. board to ask him because your grandfather died when he was 14? Or what? <laughs> no, my dad... <laughs> my dad had a pretty good relationship with his grandfather. Huh. And he lived a long time, too. He lived, like, well into his 80s at a time when most people lived to their 70s. So, right. hmm. so that's to, it. You uh, heard it here on the world's foremost <laughs> source for health and diet. Drink 14 cups of coffee a day. This is what I think of when people are like, don't, you don't want advice from an alcoholic. Like, you don't want any <laughs> advice from me. Because, yeah, I've, I, you say that to me, and I'm like, no, that makes sense. You should, number 14 is the cup you want. Uh, why not? Okay. Um, would you rather rid the world of slogan slingers or sober influencers? Oh, God. Hmm. Sober influencers. I'm sorry. Mm, gotta go. Okay. Well, you had to. Yeah, they gotta go. Yeah, I had to pick one. I will accept either answer. Do you have a favorite non AA? brand of spiritual literature or speakers or something for you that is spiritual that is an AA yeah I had um I had kind of my own spirituality coming into AA um I don't know about any like um speakers or writers though is there, um, any, is there anything you can recommend to the listeners that is an AA that has been helpful to you spiritually um, I think a more concise form of this would be, is there any other form of media that has been yeah. spiritually beneficial to you outside of the big book? Thank you. That's a great way of putting it. Oh, this is such a corny thing to say. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I get most of my spiritual concepts from fantasy literature. Does that make sense? Yeah. I read YA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. YA, YA fan or fiction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the uh, um the Golden Compass books. Oh my god, me too, bro. Yeah. So yeah. The dust. This is yep. this is a whole other we didn't have a podcast just about this. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. God is everything or God is nothing. If you don't think you can connect with God reading a book about a fourteen year old heroine lady, then you're an idiot. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. Yeah. Is it the sa- is this um, the same type of heroin lady we usually talk about on this show, or is this heroin with an E at the end? There's an E at the end oh, of this okay. one. Okay, gotcha. All right. Better hang, Russell Brand or Holly Whitaker? <laughs> oh no. Um. 
This is tough, guys. <sighs> you know what? I'd hang out with Holly Whitaker. Mm. I, the, the parts one. of her book that I've read, I'm like, it's not bad. It's just not helpful to me because it's all about Holly Whitaker, you know? <laughs> I had a realization driving the other day. We've asked this question a few times, and I was really hard on team... Um, Bro, I would rather hang out with whatever the other dude's name is, uh, Russell Brand. And I realized I don't know anything about either of them. So I'm, yeah, I haven't read the book. I haven't read either of their books and I don't listen to either of them. I just saw Get Him to the Greek and I thought that was a funny movie. That's my entire experience with Russell Brand. So that's why I picked him. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, that makes sense to me. Why not? Yeah. Team Holly. You, you picked him? I don't remember asking you that question. Oh, I would pick. I would have picked Russell Brand. <laughs> okay. Because if you've seen Get Him Into the Greek, there's a part. Of, well, it doesn't matter. It totally doesn't. <laughs> Thank um, you. Let's my own? skip that. Yep, you're up. What is the craziest thing you've seen on a Zoom meeting? Craziest thing I've seen on a Zoom meeting. Oh man. Hmm. Can I take a minute and think about it? Yeah, of course. Can I tell? Okay, John, John, John Barleycorn was on the Zoom meeting. What was it? It was, um, it was that Zoom meeting that we were on, and one of the day counters said that he had 22 days, and the chair was like, "When you have 22 days, you can drink again." So, <laughs> go ahead. Very weird. Shit, you not. It was weird. You were there. You remember? Yeah. Really weird. <laughs> and, like long horrible silence and then the chair was like i'm just kidding you guys get a sense of humor but was like, it was weird but i had to turn my camera off because i was like turning bright red like trying not to laugh <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was like it was like when i'm training someone at work and i i do like a really dry absurd joke and like instead of just yeah <laughs> they just look at me like did my boss just really say that I have to do that? <laughs> it was like that kind of vibe. Everyone was like, what the fuck? It's just like, yeah, drink alcohol and die. It was just <laughs> fucking weird, dude. Very weird. It's very strange. What's your sin? I saw a teenage kid. Um, this is just my best guess of what was happening. Zoom bomb a meeting, and instead of just using racism or a bunch of bad words or putting on porn, they pretended to relapse on camera. <laughs> it, it was the most creative, funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. They had this giant, like, goblet wine glass that they filled up with, like, probably grape juice, and they started drinking it and, like, spinning around in their little thing and then typing in the chat. And it was, like, very clear to me that it was not a real, like, <laughs> Like, oh my god, I just drank again. Oh, fuck, fuck me. Oh, shit. I, I thought it was hilarious. I think it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in a Zoom meeting. I almost admire that. That's, um... No, I love that. I love that. Points. Yeah, they put a lot of effort into that so, one. So much less lazy than, like, the people who get in there and just say the N-word or whatever. I'm like, you're sad. Yeah. You need a hobby. And, like, your life is too small. The kid who has... I don't mind a troll. Yeah, the Look, kid who has the creativity and the wherewithal to find a Zoom room and make that happen, I right. think I expect great things from that person. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, definitely. Wherever, if you were listening, the content creator of the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, my question on that was: Was the chairperson like, 
It seems like we have someone in crisis <laughs> no. here. Can we get a breakout room? Okay. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> that would have been incredible. I mean, honestly, like, I, I still hold with my summation from early Zoom days, which was like, if, if there was a fucking global pandemic and I had to be at home all of the time, and I somehow found out that these, like, sad bastards were, like, complaining about their lives as if this global pandemic was all about them and their <laughs> fucking alcohol problem, I would have been trolling them 23 hours a day and sleeping half an hour a day. The other hour a day is what teenage boys do in their rooms. But that's what I would have been doing. 14th cup of coffee. <laughs> 14th cup of <laughs> Anyway. I've 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 directly addressed them after they've zoom bombed and then I shared in meetings and I've directly said like this is available to anyone including the guys who were zoom bombing and if you're in here and you want to zoom bomb still you're still in here this is I would be glad if you have a problem with alcohol to talk to you and to take you through this work if you want to do it and I'll even come back to this meeting with you and help you give this group an amends. I'm fucking here for it, dude. Let's do it. You know? Because, like, I get it. You're just fucking goofing around. You're a kid, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. When's the last time you did a 10-step? Uh, yesterday. Why? Nice. <laughs> Why? <laughs> No, that wasn't like a I prelude just, to the question. Right that wasn't you, the question. Are you, are you checking up on me? Like, <laughs> and there's, there's certain guests where this <laughs> could have different connotations. Nope, just a question. Uh, okay, yeah. all right. What's the funniest? Everyone. <laughs> he, he is asking everyone. Uh, okay, all right, all right, all right. Uh, well, now you're going to have one, what, five minutes from now, ten minutes from now? Uh, <laughs> Call uh, two, ask me a question. Well, that's a good transition. What is the funniest inventory blurb that you've ever had or heard? Hmm. Well, see, here's the problem. I have really not gotten any sponsees to write a four-step. Mm. So, um... Well, like, what's your for your ten, right? What's the dumbest ten step? The dumbest ten step I've ever had to do. Um, okay, I had to write a ten step once because an Uber driver tanked my rating, and I was mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, though my um my three year old was in the backseat of the car, and he threw up because he gets car sick. And I was like scrambling and like cleaning up the vomit. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And then I like gave the guy a $20 tip on like a $20 cab fare. So it was like a hundred percent tip. Right. Mm. And then I get out of the cab and I look at my phone and my, my rating is gone from like a perfect five-star rating to like a four, mm. um, which means Uber drivers, if they're paying attention to ratings, they're not going to pick you up anymore. And I was I was mad about it for days. I was so fucking mad. Um, it's like, it's imaginary internet points, right? But, um, you know, my fourth column on that was, I gave him the $20 bill because I didn't want him to tank my Uber rating. <laughs> Which, like, so then it wasn't really a good deed. I was just trying to manage. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. 
there is no such thing as a dumb like i keep asking the question but there really is they're all equally dumb when when considered in the light of what we're doing like there's nothing about that that's any dumber right. than really any other one yeah yeah yeah, it's it's a lot less dumb that I'm going to uh, kill myself over, you know, like I'm going to spiritually die and relapse because I'm angry about something else. That it's like no, there's just all of it poison. Um, okay, which step has been most rewarding for you? Which step is the most rewarding? Uh, probably ten. Yeah, I think um. I've done more work in 10 than I think I did in like 10 years of therapy. Mm. You know, I've resolved problems that I was in therapy trying to work on for years. Um, Word. And I've been doing regular 10 steps for like maybe four months. Mm. And it's like stuff that was eating me alive for like my entire adult life. It's just like doesn't bother me anymore. It's kind of amazing. It's outrageous. Yeah. Ninth step promise you should. So cool. Yeah. Cease fighting. Yeah, it's amazing. So cool. Very cool. Um, wait, I'm sorry. Am I up? Yeah. Um, what is, if you could pick a new name or a new term for the term sponsor, what would you, what would you call it? Hmm. I don't know about the word sponsor, but I do kind of prefer the term like working with someone rather than sponsoring someone, if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. then it makes it seem more like you're potentially colleagues, but you're doing this work together. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, worker with her? Worker with her. That's the problem, right? Like, what would you call that? How? Co-worker. <laughs> Co-steppers. Co-worker, yeah. <laughs> no, no, uh... Sharing partner, remember? Sharing yeah. partner. I think that that is a, um, that's the only one that I like less than sponsor. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. That was, uh, yeah, anyway, whatever. Okay. All right, my last question for you is clubhouse or church basement? Oh, clubhouse, definitely. Ooh. And why? I just... I just love the sketchiness, you know? Yes. The first time I walked into a clubhouse meeting, I was like, oh, these are my people. And, like, fuck me that these are my people, but these are definitely my people. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I get these people. <laughs> I think you've sent us or me photos of your clubhouse, and it is... <gasps> wild in there. I would probably <laughs> prefer there too. <laughs> Can yeah. I paint a picture for the, oh, yeah. the people at home? <laughs> Please. Wait, let me mute and cough for a second. <laughs> <laughs> cough, cough, cough. There you go. So bad. I'm <laughs> captioning for you. So it's basically like, you know, you could be walking past it on the street and not know that it's there. It just looks like the entrance to like a regular apartment building. But you walk in. Apparently, it used to be like a sailor's bar back in the day. It's got this like old linoleum flooring from the 70s and this wood paneling. Hasn't, you know, hasn't been redecorated in about 50 years. And then there's these wooden whales all over the walls. 
Um, and then she, all of these just insane, like, slogan posters all over the walls. And, like, some of them are in that, like, gothic font mm-hmm. that everyone knows. And then some of them are just, like, hand-lettered, hand-painted, mm-hmm. just, like, uh, really weird. And then there's a story behind the whales. I was at a, a script meeting once, and there was this guy who'd been there since the 70s, and he said that... First of all, the whales are cheese boards, mm-hmm. which doesn't really make sense to me as a as a metaphor. But you get one when you have a year sobriety. Uh, um, and then yeah, so the whale makes sense as a metaphor, right? Like Jonah in the belly of the whale, God was there the whole time. Like sure, okay, makes sense. Hmm. A cheese board, okay. <laughs> Um, when you get yours, you decorate it with like your sobriety date and you put like a cute little saying on there. Um, and then, um, but back in the old days, apparently they would give you a cheese board. You would put your like little slogan on it and then there would be like a cheese knife stuck to it. But one day at a meeting, a fight broke out Oh my god! and the people took the cheese knives down and started attacking each other with them. <laughs> so then they had to go and remove all of the cheese knives from the whales and that's why some of them have like broken off tails because oh <laughs> the cheese knives were glued too securely wow so i just feel like your clubhouse <laughs> experience is so atypical like <laughs> of course you pick clubhouse like i'm trying to find the picture because i remember there being whales everywhere yeah, yeah. I don't, it's really yeah. weird <laughs> i don't know that i even saw the whale picture i saw the bathroom picture the sign in the bathroom i remember that one Oh, no, that's not a clubhouse. That's, um... Oh, that's a different place. That's a different place. It's also not a church basement, though. Uh, I don't know. Where I live, um... It's, like, a little bit different. Like, we'll have places that have ongoing meetings, but because it's just, like, a room. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some of those here. Just kind of like a business place. (laughs) Like, different things meet there or whatever. Yeah. Um... Yeah, the the whale cheese motif. Intriguing. <laughs> Intriguing. It's an oldie but a goodie. All right, so, Ted. You want to take it home? How would you define the term old-timer? This is the bonus question, by the way. Bonus oh, okay. <laughs> so this is 13 questions. Yeah. Um, an old-timer. I don't know. I always think of an old timer as somebody having like 20 plus years of sobriety. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Bingo. Well, uh, this was a lovely chat. Thank you so much. In light. Yeah. Thanks for having me back on. It was good to talk to you guys. Yeah. It's great. I really appreciate you joining us, especially when you're feeling under the weather. Thank and you. about to do a, well, somebody's fifth step. Oh, yeah. Unless they, yeah. Unless they bail. I'm about to hear a fifth step, and I'm going to cough the whole way through it. Awesome. I won't be able to myself, but... <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank well, you. Well. Thank you so much, Jane. We All right. will talk to you, you soon. All right. Have a good one. All right, y'all. Have a good weekend. Greater Than Yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All of
involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.